ReachMD XM157 presents a special series, Insights in Future Medicine. When they coined the phrase, know thyself, I don't think they had in mind to know your genomic profile, to have the odd experience of getting acquainted with future versions of yourself 20 or 30 years down the road for a thousand bucks. We're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment on future medicine. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host, and joining me today is Thomas Getz, a journalist who writes about technology, medicine, and public health. He's the deputy editor of Wired Magazine and has a master's in public health at the University of California, Berkeley. He's also the author of the blog Epidemics.org and has recently written the December cover story for Wired Magazine about retail genomics. Mr. Getz, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I enjoyed the article immensely, and it seems like the future is now here. So it seems, certainly a hint of the future. There's all sorts of stuff that's going to happen and that will happen in terms of general medicine that's going to make it even more rich experience. But I think the fact that companies like 23andMe and, and Navigenics and Gnome and DecodeMe, there have been four that have popped up in the last month alone, the fact that these companies exist at all and can offer consumer services, retail services, that for a fair chunk of change, a thousand or two thousand dollars, they will scan your genome and give you some hint as to what your future bodes. I think that's pretty auspicious in terms of medicine. I know that you had your own done. Yes. Who did you do it with? Which company? I did it with both Navigenics and with 23andMe. Okay. And for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about 23andMe? Who's behind that? So 23andMe is a startup in Silicon Valley. They're in Mountain View, California. And they are most known because one of their co-founders, Ann Wojcicki, is married to Sergey Brin, the co-founder of Google. The other co-founder of 23andMe is Linda Avey, who's a former executive at Affymetrics and other biotech companies. And combined, they have created what is probably the most anticipated, if not altogether the first, personal genomics company. They are doing genotyping. They have a chip. They're using Illumina's chip, actually. I'm not sure how much people want to care about the nitty-gritty of the technology here, but um, there are two companies, Affymetrix and Illumina, who do these kind of strategic genotyping. So they will scan 550,000 of your SNPs, your single nucleotide polymorphisms, which are the kind of telltale spots where I'm different from you and you're different from your family and so on and so on, that, that 0.5% of our genome. And so 23andMe is the first company that's really hit this in a very public way. Thomas, tell me a little bit more about these SNPs. What exactly is a SNP and what does it tell us? So a SNP is a single nucleotide polymorphism. Polymorphism means more than one form, obviously. And these are the little telltale differences in our DNA. Basically, they're the genetic variations that code for different traits or different propensities. So they're pretty much the 0.5 of our genome that makes me different from you. They're the ones that make us maybe more predisposed to certain diseases or make us have curly hair instead of straight hair and so on. So those are points in our genome that the researchers are zeroing in on to detect the differences and kind of the signals that make our DNA unique. And so our listeners don't get confused they cannot, from what I understand, learn if they're going to get Huntington's Korea, because that is not from a SNP. Right, exactly. So SNP-based genotyping is a strategic 
method that right now is very economical. So at $1,000 for a SNP genotype, you get 550,000 points of the genome. But obviously, as listeners know, there are, in fact, 6 billion nucleotides in our DNA. So that's far from a complete sequence. Right. But for a thousand bucks, it's a pretty good return on investment. Absolutely. And these are the points where most of the differences lie anyway. So now it's a thousand dollars. A year from now, it'll probably be five hundred dollars. A year later, it'll probably be a hundred dollars with, you know, with Moore's Law. That's what they're thinking. The similarities with Moore's Law are true, although Moore's Law pertains strictly to silicone chips. But there are the same analogies. I thought it applies to everything in the valley. Yeah, well, certainly it's used that way. All right, so I'm a physician. I have no idea how to interpret this data. Do I need to go back to school and take a genetics class? Well, that's a very good point. So there are, by some estimations, there are only about 800 MDs in the country who are actually trained in genetics. So that's a far cry from the number of physicians who are going to need to be trained in genetics in order to help people make sense of what they're learning. Certainly... You know, a lot of genetic testing that exists now are for things like Huntington's disease, which are actually very rare conditions. So those genetic conditions aren't really going to be turning up in the average physician's practice. But as we start to get into this odds-based, risk-based scenario of, you know, 30% higher risk for heart disease or 20% elevated risk for this cancer or that cancer, these are decisions that patients are going to need help making, and these, these are kind of scenarios that, you know, we just aren't used to navigating our health in those terms. Right. Perhaps we'd be better served by spending some time in a Las Vegas casino as training to kind of figure out odds and probabilities, and then we'll be able to kind of explain it to our patients. Look, I think generally more information is better, and the fact that individuals are going to be able to get their genomic information and start learning about themselves in a deeper way is on whole a good thing. But it's not the way we're used to making decisions. You know, we're used to getting rather clear signals of, you know, we've detected a tumor or you have high cholesterol and so therefore take Libertor. These are very kind of black and white, almost binary situations that most of our healthcare works. By going to this kind of predictive model, by starting to try to anticipate disease based on risks, is something that doctors and patients together are going to have to figure out how to handle that. Thomas, you had your genome read, and what did you learn about yourself that scared the hell out of you? Well, I didn't get scared. There were some interesting things. You know, this is one of those things, since it's not testing for stuff like Huntington's, I didn't learn that I have a 90% chance of any one condition. I did learn that I have a inflated risk for colon cancer. I think based on what they know now, it seems to be something like a 20% higher risk. So you must have the RS69832678 SNP. Well, you know the genome better than I. I can't rattle that one off. It's not in front of me. But yeah, so there are SNPs that I have or variations in SNPs that I have that have been associated in studies with higher probabilities of a disease. So it's the chain of logic. You have to really back it up. It isn't that I'm going to get heart disease or I'm going to get colon cancer. It's that I have a variation in my genome that's associated with high elevated risk, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you have to put that together with the baseline risk that we face. So for colon cancer, I think it's like a 1 in 12 chance or something. I, it's just off the top of my head, so I may be very well wrong. But, you know, we have a baseline risk of 40% for obesity. Well, so if you have a 20% elevated risk for obesity because of your genome, 
that's actually on whole not that big a difference from the average American. You still face a large probability of being obese, and we all have to watch out for it. It's interesting. I mean, I can see it helping if you've got the colon cancer gene identified that you'd go in for a colonoscopy at an earlier age. Right. If you have the heart disease gene, you might be more likely to live a a different lifestyle. But again, having these things does not mean you will get this disease. And that's the hard part to explain that you have an increased likelihood, but that doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Right. Another wrinkle is that, you know, this science is very new. The genome-wide association studies really just picked up in the last 12 months or so. Though they've been doing them for several years, the technology has gotten much better and the volume of studies has been increasing and and also the fidelity, the results are much stronger, the associations are much stronger. But that's only a year's worth of data that we're really able to bank on right now. So if we know that there's one SNP that's been associated for heart disease, well, maybe there are 12 or 20 other ones that we just haven't detected yet that they could have stronger probabilities, right? They could have stronger associations with heart disease. So just because you have the one that we know about now doesn't mean that other research will change your picture as we go on. So again, this is all very, very early stage stuff. Thomas, you are a creative person. I'm wondering if you ever saw the movie Gattaca. You know, I saw it when it came out, and then I just watched it again this weekend just to, just ah, to kind of remind excellent. me about excellent. what it, what it exists. That's what I think of. I'm worried about the future where Big Brother gets a hold of this information, and we are basically put into a caste system of, you know, humanoids and are only allowed to pursue certain things based on our genome. Well, so Gattaca is, in wider terms, it's a dystopia, right? It's not a utopia. It's the kind of nightmare version of the future. And sure, that could happen. But really, I think there are a couple things that are going to prevent that kind of nightmare scenario from happening. One is we're just not prepared. I mean, you know, we don't even have a health care system that works based on normal signals and events to expect that somehow we're going to have this apparatus that is coding us all by genome and and segmenting us. I wish we had a healthcare system that was capable of something like that. And there are any other other objections that, I mean, there are legal protections on the state level and also the federal level. So I'm personally not that worried about genetic discrimination kind of being a real issue. If you're not worried about that, are you worried about insurance companies getting a hold of this information and saying uh, your premium is going to be 50% higher because uh, you're more likely to get breast cancer? Again, there are state laws that prevent insurance discrimination, and there is the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, GINA, has been passed by the House, has been passed by the Senate. President Bush has said he's going to sign it. There's one senator in Oklahoma who's held it up. Hopefully, he will let it go through and, and would quickly be turned into law, but that explicitly prohibits discrimination by insurance companies based on genetic information. Well, let's get back to the test. Let's say I want to get one of these tests done. What do I do? Do I go online to 23andMe and order it and they ship it to me? And then what do I do? Exactly. So it's you get this nice, pretty kit that comes in the mail and it's a little green box. Thankfully, they don't need your blood. They can get your DNA out of your cheek cells. So you just spit. You spit about, I think it's about two milliliters, but it actually takes a long time to work up that much spit. It comes with a little vial and you fill that up mail it back. It actually, I think it goes by FedEx back to, actually it goes to Illumina, which is the microarray company that's actually running the test. And then they send the results to 23andMe, which takes, I think, about two weeks. And then you get uh, an email that says your results have arrived, and then you log on, and you're able to navigate your genome. The company has a few different layers. You can look at the whole list of SNPs. So you can look at 550,000 chains of letters, and maybe you can start extrapolating based on PubMed searches or whatever to see what those are. But the real meat is in something they call the gene journals, where they've scoured current research and formed a library. Right now, I think it's about 10 
conditions from type 2 diabetes to Crohn's disease, heart disease, that have strong genetic associations or SNP associations. So you can see how your results compare to the average person in your age group. That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I think I'm either going to do it myself or give it as a Christmas gift this year. Thomas Getz, thank you very much for joining us today on ReachMD. My pleasure. We've been talking to Thomas Getz. He's the author of a new article in Wired Magazine's December version on retail genomics. And I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. You've been listening to a special segment on future medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Please be sure to visit our website, ReachMD.com, where you can download a podcast of any of our previously aired shows. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to a special series, Insights in Future Medicine, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals.